0: Hello, my name's James Kelly, and welcome to the next episode in the show, Your True Self. And I've got a wonderful, beautiful guest here, Juliana Kurukaya. Welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thank you, James.
0: And just to briefly introduce Juliana, Juliana is Brazilian. She's from Brazil, living at the moment in Switzerland. Juliana's had this wonderful background of, uh, you know, as far as spirituality go goes being a teacher of A Course of Miracles. And she was the lead translator of A Course of Love into Portuguese. And she just told me this morning she's actually going to just start doing the audiobook of A Course of Love. And for me, she's had this beautiful, interesting life that you'll hear a little bit about. And she's going to we're going to be talking together about really living your true self in your everyday life and giving examples and seeing how that goes really and we haven't planned anything exactly what we're going to go with the flow of uh, a dialogue really which is what a course of love talks a lot about doesn't it you know a dialogue and learning through having a conversation Mm. so very you're very welcome have you anything you want to start off with or do you want me to ask you a question
1: (laughs) well that's a question already (laughs) That's true. Thank, you. Another <laughs> Thank question. you for the introduction. Yeah. I was, no, you know, when you were like sort of introducing me, I was just thinking of how, how do we start, you know, like in this, what we call like a spiritual path. And, um, and I was just thinking like something because I've been reading about the Buddhism a lot, you know, in lately. And what they talk about is really like, this search for happiness that we start like very early on Mm -hmm. and since we are like little kids. So they say that this search for happiness and not settling with anything less than perfect happiness, because we know that's our true self, that our true self is like perfect, happy, perfectly happy. So they say that's the spiritual journey. That's when it starts because there is like a, a wisdom What capital double that says, okay, so um, you deserve nothing less than perfect peace and perfect happiness. So um, yeah, and that they say that underneath the search for happiness, so the base um, quality what they call is love, because that's love what's making you move in that direction. So Yeah. um, yeah, in a way, you know, everybody's in that search.
0: Yeah, but do you remember in your life, you know, at a young age, being on a search? Or or how did it work for you in your life? Or was it later on?
1: Yeah, you know, because that that was when it it shifted for me. Because when I heard that, then I was like, I started thinking about when I was a little child. And of course, Mm -hmm. I was always looking for happiness in a way. And I was always like somehow looking for love. And um, my father died when I was four months old. Oh, and I remember, yeah. you know, people telling me that he was in heaven. Yes. And I remember my mom, she had like this really big like um, crucifix, you know, in, uh, like just up on her bed. And that's something like very typical Brazilian. And I remember seeing like Jesus hanging there and I thought that was my father. Oh. And, I remember <laughs> and I remember like one day when my mom had her first boyfriend, you know, after my father died. Yes. And I was very jealous. And I remember uh, taking him to her bedroom and saying, you know, my father is here. I'm going to show it to you. And then I showed him like the Jesus Christ and the crucifix. And he said, oh, no, that's not your father. That's Jesus. So, um, but I remember how disappointed I was because I was so certain that was my father. And that was like the the, the image I had. So for me, um, yeah. So for me, that's when I had a sense, okay, I so much want to be loved. And for me, it meant so much. And then somehow at that moment, I felt like somebody has taken it away from me. I, I don't know. And I, I don't even know why I'm talking about it.
0: <laughs> no, well, I, I like the way you're talking about it. But I mean, a lot of people, you know, in psychology and everything else say that when the child is born into this world as this baby, and it's, you know, it's already in connection with love, and it kind of Loses that connection and goes on a search. I mean, would you would you say that? Well, I suppose that's a belief. We can never really uh, remember being a baby and, and being totally open for love, and then kind of losing it, and then being on a search for the for it. But yes, I, I guess maybe that question makes sense because none of us remember being a baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. so. But maybe we can remember, like from watching our own
0: kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And seeing that a baby, like, like a little one month old baby or four month old baby, isn't so much searching for love perhaps as just being open for love or expressing love perhaps. Anyway, but, but do you think, cause people talk about a search and it's almost like this search continues for their whole of their life or even doesn't come to an end. But I mean, where would you say you are in this search now? Or do you say that you find your true self and you're now more on a different kind of expression of that true self or living it rather than searching for it?
1: Yeah, I guess for me it goes like on and off, you know, like, um, um, because, and that's the thing that's when I I guess we all reach this point when we realize, okay, nothing outside is going to make me happy so it's not about people and it's not about demanding things from people or wanting like to accumulate things or anything like that but that's also like this time when it when it gets very frustrating because then it seems like life is a bit dull because it doesn't matter what happens <laughs> so that can make you happy you know but then um yeah so sometimes i can really appreciate little things and really having like this uh, appreciative mind So it helps me like keeping that state, but sometimes also, you know, like with the whole, Mm. for example, this whole pandemic thing. Mm. So it was really like, okay, so that, you know, at the very beginning, I was really angry and it took me a while to realize, okay, this is not happening to you, like specifically to you, it's happening to the whole world and okay and then there was really like an acceptance period but sometimes like i get like okay okay i want to play something else <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when so then this transformation you mentioned there of you know when you're in your true self i guess or connected to it or aware of it you're, you realize as you say uh the happiness does not exist out there. But then you were talking about a little bit of this transition that might have a a boring phase where, so then I guess you connect with the happiness that's inside or or how does that work for you? How did that work for you?
1: Yeah. And and for me, it works like, um, so I'll go back to the Buddhism because I really like the way they approach it, Uh but um, it's really like, realizing that my true self is even able to create that state and you know like in my like in my sovereign freedom I can choose to be bored and or Mm -hmm. I can choose to be like content in whatever is happening and so that reminds me of my true self because you know I'm the one really creating those states so it 's really like and and i I mentioned the Buddhism because they say it 's like really the Buddha mind, so you just contemplate that, so when you 're suffering, when you 're in pain, then you just contemplate that, and mm. then you realize okay that 's such a powerful mind, mm. and that reminds me of my true self, even when i 'm bored, when I realize that, and then I go back and say okay that 's the state i 'm creating, and you know I can choose to 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 feel anything." um yeah mm.
0: yeah it's such a powerful awareness that you're true that that your thoughts are are so powerful uh and i guess um it, it's it's a phase that's for me in a way it's kind of like i i was in denial of that you know i just wanted okay to react to the world outside and go well the reason why i'm bored or fed up or anxious right now is nothing to do with my thoughts but something to do with the outside world and to kind of take that and own that powerful self. Really, that my thoughts are, are creating my experience or even my reality. It's such a, such a step that, that I think there's probably so much in between, from boredom to fear of that or denial of it. Mm, it's such a, a big step. And actually, I was even just reading this morning in a in a Course in Miracles because I know you're a teacher of a Course in Miracles, and it talks about you know my thoughts or images I have made, and whatever I see reflects my thoughts. Uh, It is my thoughts that tell me where I am and what I am. The fact that I see a world in which there is suffering and loss and death shows me I am seeing only the representation of my insane thoughts and not allowing my real thoughts to cast their beneficent light on what I see." So to take that kind of level of responsibility (laughs) of my true self is creating what I see, you know, whatever that means to different people. How did you, man- how do you deal with that? Because you could even argue that, that you're the one that created the pandemic. Are <laughs> you your true self had something to do with the situation of the world?
1: Yeah, but that's when, uh, when for me, like, for me, I really feel I have this like, um, confusion of level because in a way the, the world that i'm creating is nothing like sort of manifested or nothing physical in that in that sense so it's really like you know like the what's the name of this famous book a famous book that everybody was talking about like manifestation like the secret right it's that not like it. you're thinking about things and then you're going to manifest it like in a way i don't believe it like that and i even you know i was thinking about it like for example a disease or when you're ill when you're sick that maybe that has been already created like sort of in your script and the only choice you really have is really how to look at these things so um and then in that sense so I'm not really creating the pandemic, but the way I live it in a way and the way I see it, like if I look at it as a type of prison, okay, that's taking away my freedom, mm. then that's for me, it's like really hell. So it, it depends. So but it also has to do with what I believe mm. I am, because I if I believe mm. I'm a human being and I've been ruled, like you said, I'm I'm living in Switzerland and I've I've been living like by their rules then it's it feels like very constricted, like it feels very, I feel very stuck. But if I realize I'm like also my true self, a spiritual being, and I can create anything like in, a, in my mind, because I could be here in my room pretending I'm in a five-star hotel and <laughs> I'm having a good time or yes. I don't know. And I, yeah, and I choose to watch TV instead of going out to the pool. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, as you say it depends who your tr- your true self is because if you're associated with your true self as this personal self in this body then of course the you know the level of responsibility we're going to take for our thoughts are going to be different because if I'm even as a personality in a in a body sometimes I it's hard for me to say that my reaction to whenever you said something to me or my reaction to the pandemic is my choice because somehow my feeling as an individual self is that I'm affected by things outside and I don't have any control of my response. But if my true self is even bigger than a personal self, how would you describe your true self if it's not a personal just just a personal self it could be obviously including the personal self but how would what what, how what words would you describe your true self
1: (laughs) that's a good question but i guess you know when we start like looking at people and realizing how everybody is in this like crazy search for happiness and the really cravings for something more than whatever it's it's being, yeah, it's happening in their lives. Then I sort of uh, start to connect with these people, and I realize this is not like a personal search like something that mm-hmm. you know it's specific to me and i start to realize okay so in, in the sense you know like the course of miracle says we're all the same so in that sense then i can recognize that we are all the same we just have like different silly ways of search of looking for happiness but yeah and and that gives me a sense of connectedness mm. and okay. and then my journey is not my personal journey, even though it's very, how can I say it? So it's, it's a very specific journey for myself. So it's not really Juliana's journey because if I look around, it's everybody else's journey as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's beautiful to bring that in because sometimes we just think about ourselves as a separate self. We are not really recognizing the connections we have with everyone and that the experience we have the life that we're living isn't really just about me yeah i i like that you know that's bringing in in relationships and at at the start i mentioned that you just casually that you're the lead translator of this book a course of love which um is a major undertaking to translate i don't know how many words are in here but it's a lot into Portuguese from English, and I know you're going to be doing the audio now. But what I really love is it mentions quite a lot about your true self in here, and um, and and I'm just not sure if I got the right bit, but it it really looks at your true the difference between your true self and the and the personal self, and and taking because sometimes in some. Um, spiritual paths, you can see that the, the personal self is kind of separate and not part of your true self. But what I love about A Course of Love, from what I get anyway, is that my true self embraces me as a personal self, but it's bigger than that to, you know, to, to hold. It's almost like, as you say, we're everybody. But I would wonder, you know, are we everybody and we're the whole experience as well as this you know, small experience? And so I don't know if you want to, if, you, if something comes to mind about maybe a course of love to say a little bit about that and your experience with that and your true self. And I'm just going to, before you answer, I'm just going to put you on pause because my cat is trying to get out the door. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. My, my cat was trying to get out the door and she scrapes at the door and she never, she never stops. She'll just keep doing it the whole time. So it would be a bit distracting. Sorry, Juliana, you were going to say something about a course of love and your experience.
1: Yeah, what I really love about A Course of Love is a chapter, which is actually the shortest chapter in the book, which is called The Time of Tenderness,
0: oh, yes. and what
1: Jesus says that is that um, you start being moved by the world in a way, so yes. um, everything makes you want to cry, and uh, you're touched by everything, and you're getting like very emotional, that's my way of describing it, Yes. And what I really love about this passage is that he says that's a safe way back home, and he says that means you are getting connected to something else, and 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 then like if you look around and you start to looking you know you start looking at people for for instance if you have that in mind that everybody's looking for happiness, and then sometimes you know look at your. At your spouse and then he's like brushing his teeth and then you look at him and you think oh that's so cute let's just search <laughs> for happiness and then everything starts like to be like you know it's it starts to be like um cute in a way because that's people looking for happiness but i wanted to tell um yes. that i once i heard an interview from a brazilian guy and mm-hmm. he's a musician and he was talking about a project that he has with some other people like many many people are involved I'm um, probably not now in the pandemics because I heard his interview like about a couple of years ago, but that for me was so, had so much impact because they have a project, what is called in Portuguese, well, I'm trying to translate it here, but I think it's like emergency psychology and what they, (laughs) yeah, and what they do as a group of people. They go to places where there has been like a, what we call a catastrophe. So it could be like an earthquake, it could be a civil war where people were killed, wow. or it could be um, a tsunami. So you name it, whatever. Whenever um, there is like a, a, a village where people were hit by something, and then there are kids, and there are maybe survivors, maybe they lost their parents, maybe they lost their homes, maybe they lost everything. So they just go there as a team. And for, for example, like he's a musician and they're like dancers. They're like psychologists, Mm -hmm. of course, they're doctors and they're like uh, physical educators. So yeah, but what they do, what I thought what I found like it was very interesting, they go as a team to those Mm -hmm. places and they spend, I think like a month in these places and no, it's actually two weeks. So all they do is they play with the kids oh wow so so they sing and then they play and then you know and he was showing the pictures and you could see like he was showing things like very um for me like it's very distressful because you know like people um they do not have homes they do not have what to eat they don't have like whatever we call basic for our survival they don't have anything like that and maybe you know they're children who have um, seen their parents being killed in front of them, Mm. you know. And and then you think, okay, so he goes there and then he plays with his kids. And so what's good is going to make, I mean, yeah, because... It's not going to solve their problem. But then I saw the pictures and the kids were laughing and they were playing and they were singing and they were dancing. And then sometimes the parents would watch and they would be skeptical. But then in the end, you know, they would be very grateful because for one night the kid was able to sleep. So for me, that was very deep to contemplate. That's the human mind or the real self being able to laugh and to be happy and to play, even in an extreme situation like that. So that's a great gift that they were sharing. They were like showing to the kids, okay, regardless of your situation, you Mm. can still choose. So that for me, that's the real self. So that was like a recognition. And I was, I was, I burst into tears because I thought it was beautiful. Like what they were doing, just, you know, if you can just come and play and not take everything so seriously, And yeah,
0: um, yeah, Yeah, I like that. Maybe that's the answer to everything, but because you're, you're saying there is almost like our true self really doesn't take things seriously. And, and and maybe when we're getting into being fearful or taking things seriously, we're not really connected to our, our true self perhaps.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but that's also like a thing that for for me with the Course of Law was also like a shift because I thought, okay, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles and I'm a spiritual student, so I'm not allowed to be upset. I'm not allowed to be angry. I'm not Mm -hmm. allowed to be sad. But if I look from this other perspective that my real self is even free to choose that, Mm -hmm. then it it's different because I won't blame myself and I can at any moment do what the Course in Miracles says in the last chapter, just choose again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, obviously sadness and, uh, like we're talking at the start there, like boredom, uh, anxiety or frustration or whatever those feelings are that we could maybe label negative. You're saying my true self is making a a choice for that to experience that and that's, that's fine because it's a it's a it's a choice
1: yeah or yeah or would you like not to be able to feel that
0: <laughs> well well my immediate reaction is no you know this idea of being blissfully happy or a peaceful state without those contrasts happening in the middle is is kind of like um it sounds uh, not attractive so, but I think we're getting to both there because I think maybe there's, maybe there's an underlying, from my experience, anyway, there's this underlying peace or underlying love. I think we started off with that basis that maybe there is the foundation that is our true self. And then our true self is inviting and experience whatever that happens to be. And it's, it's embracing all, all the emotions, as you say, rather than saying, I just need to be happy all the time
1: yeah and and uh, like also when you asked about my childhood or when you think for example of your teenage years and you know like if you compare yourself to what you were when you were a teenager like the way the way you you know you behave so you have you have two teenagers at home so um and I realized for example now that I'm you know I'm a little bit over 20 <laughs> so I realize that I've Like I thought when I was a teenager that I knew everything about the world Mm. and I knew what people were talking about and I knew everything. But now I really feel I don't know anything. (laughs) But, you know, if I can remember what I was thinking by the time when I was a teenager, so what is that awareness that was somehow I have a feeling, you know, like when I look like in hindsight, so I have a feeling there was always some, some sort of presence that was watching me doing all this nonsense Mm. and saying, and really like embracing everything. And it wasn't stopping me from doing these silly things, Mm. but there there was a presence because I remember clearly the way I felt and what I thought. So what is that? That remembers that. What is, what part of me is that? that, So in a way, so it's really like, you Mm. know, this presence of awareness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like when you were talking there, it just reminded me that you know you can never really lose your true self or be you know completely disconnected. Your true self has always been there, is there right at this very moment, and so uh, we sometimes behave as if oh I'm just identified, I've lost connection, I'm seeking something that I am disconnected from. Where I'm actually still, I'm still, I am my true self, uh, and, and maybe not lose the awareness of it. And maybe it's more like becoming more and more aware.
1: Yeah. Because who is aware that you've disconnected?
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's a big question. And I think, I mean, the, the course of love comes up with that answer that it's our Christ self, whatever, and i have to define that, that learns uh, to get back to our true self. And so who is it, as you say, that makes a decision uh, to go from fear back to love again? And, how would you answer that then <laughs> saying saying you brought the question up it's a really hard question <laughs> 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 or, or maybe a, an example i don't know it's a really difficult one
1: yeah. I, I really like Kim wapnick's approach to okay. that you know yeah. the way he he talks about like the right mind the wrong mind and the decision maker like yeah. it's like feels like our minds are like sort of split in a way yeah but i also um like his approach because he's saying like if we if we really practice the course in miracles and if we really bring you know to our daily life Mm -hmm. then we will get to a stage where we can see that everything is a decision between love and fear but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we will make the decision for love Mm -hmm. because that's like when we get sort of enlightened or like atoned if you want to use like the the Mm -hmm. words from the course in miracles but yeah. So he says. So it's really like advanced in the in the path if mm-hmm. you can realize that's being like that's something that you've chosen, and then I really like it because then it, you know it takes some stress off. Like, okay, I don't have to choose cons- like consistently for love. Mm-hmm. I can realize, okay, that's a choice I'm making, and yeah, because then I get stuck to that, you know, like. Oh, Juliana, you should choose love. Mm. You should do this, and you should be a good girl. And um, yeah. Yeah. In this way.
0: Yeah, it's almost like there's to get to that deep awareness, because we sometimes think as a personal self or whatever, that there's something wrong with the choice I've made. And then we give ourselves a really hard time and there's it's a form of self-attack. But if we can look from the perspective of love, would it would go in my experience anyway, it goes okay, James, you're choosing to be frustrated and anxious right now. I mean, that's fine. You just continue to do that if you want. If you want that experience, that's fine. It's not like you're destroying love, that you're even making a mistake or a wrong or wrong choice. And I, I I think I recovered from, I thought when I was studying a course in miracles, that I was making a wrong choice and getting up. In some ways, you're making a choice that's fearful and maybe not that comfortable. But in some ways, for me, I see that I can never really make a wrong choice. You know, love is make, if love's making the choices, then it, it can't make any mistakes, really.
1: Yeah, but uh, now that you said that, I was just thinking like maybe it's not the real self who is making the choices. The real self is just observing and embracing every choice that we make, in a way, <laughs> like our decision maker.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was wondering about the decision-maker. I studied Kenneth Watmick for many years, and it sounds like a, a little bit of a, a, a concept that he's made up. I think it was really useful for me. But I think what, where I've gone in my life now, I've gone beyond it, that maybe uh, there's a part of me is totally at peace, which that's loving self, and maybe even isn't making any choices, or certainly is holding all choices in a way that's, that's totally accepting. And is, and is and is beyond the decision maker. That's just as you're saying. Was, uh, love maybe could be observing all that's happening and just smiling. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, and just yeah, like like I said, like when I was a teenager, there is like this sense of presence, that this awareness and this knowing with it kept okay, like really knowing yeah. and. Yeah, uh, while it seemed like I was doing my mistakes, or you know, like
0: yeah, yeah. And did you say you had that experience as a as a teenager of knowing?
1: No, I'm just saying, like when I think back, yeah, then oh, I I, I realize that if I if I know right now what I was thinking and feeling oh. back there. So what is that that knows? So, so yeah. for me, like in hindsight, so it, it seems like it feels like there's always been this presence of awareness. Oh. So awareness was always there.
0: It was always there, yeah. Because I'm just thinking, I know you've got a teenager as well, a teenage boy. I've got two teenagers for me. And I think a course of love talks about this. Like the the ones that were born in this in this time now have a have a different awareness. Or, and when I look at my teenagers now, I think they have a sense of knowing that I didn't have as a teenager. Um I know maybe we're going to a different subject now, but it's quite interesting to look at how you know just not just as a personal self, but how we're not even evolving, but how the awareness of who we are now is different for for the people around us that are of a younger age. I I think anyway, so because for me to introduce anything like concepts of God or love or or Course of Love or Course of Miracles to my teenagers is very foreign to them because somehow they've got it I see anyway as a natural connection.
1: Yeah. And when I look at my son, I think he's so much freer than I was, you know, as a teenager, like in a way. Like that he can express himself, you know, like in a way that for me, really, like, I'm, I'm always amazed and impressed But what he can, you know, what he can express and yeah. the way he looks at things. For him, it's like everything is just so simple. Mm. And I guess it has to do with the generation too, because, you know, I don't know. Uh, how how it was for you when you were a child but for me it was really like okay this is what we're going to do and we're going to go there and we're going to eat this and then and, and, and. so there was no really the, the, there wasn't really like choice of things and mm. you know i guess now the parents have been like more inclusive yeah. and they talk to the children and, and i mean you can argue that that's not really yeah. like <laughs> the best scenario but yeah
0: yeah yeah so I, i'm sure we're, we could both Qualifies as being wonderful parents, but I think, regardless of of that, it's it's almost like my our teenagers are got that. Yeah, well, well I guess we all have it. it. Then it just reminds me now, of course, in miracle. Of course, of law says we're not special. All all people are chosen. So our, the generation I'm looking at now, as a teenage generation, aren't any special than anybody else. But may may have a quicker awareness of who they are. But we're all everybody throughout all generations had awareness of their true self.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And And you can also ask yourself like, is it, do I look at that way because my awareness has expanded?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but I think what is true for me is they seem to more easily express their true self or they're connected with it in a way that it's easier for me to see. I think I was, as a teenager, very much into doing the right thing and focusing on pleasing my parents. I mean, my teenagers don't really think about pleasing me at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my <journey>. son. <laughs>
0: and I'm going, well, <laughs> and, so, and part of me laughs at that and thinks, you know, that's such a gift that my teenagers aren't changing their behavior or what they're thinking to please their parents. Their parents. And I think that's such a powerful place to be in in such a connection with their true self, that they're not going to give that up just to, to, to um, please me or just to fit in, you know, they'll just won't do that. And I, I just find that so amazingly great, as opposed to they should change and go along with my ideas.
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing that you touched there, because you know, they're not people pleasers. Yeah. And we as people pleasers, we tend to lie a lot because come on, like (laughs) who wants to dedicate their own, you know, their whole lives to please somebody else. Nobody does that. So we become little liars. And that's why I think we put like layer after layer on top of what we are actually feeling because we're not supposed to express it. Mm -hmm. And we're not supposed to, yeah, we're not even supposed to feel it. So, um, yeah so i guess that's a beautiful thing there they're not people pleasers and that make that makes them like being more yeah more connected to their true selves because um, they're not restricted to Mm -hmm. the shoots or yeah
0: yeah yeah all all those patterns and and things and habits that we learned growing up i guess at at some point as you say they get in the, the way of expression of our true self we have to kind of unlearn them or let them go i guess which i think is what a course of love does a lot of unlearning and letting go of old patterns so that we so that the new the new pattern can can come in mm.
1: yeah and, and and for me it's the learning curve because i remember when my son started he's now 16 so when yeah. he was like around 13 so he started really complaining about the food The food, and so he was complaining about everything, and I had the feeling that before he was more like he was more content about life. And then I told him, you know, if you don't have anything positive to say, just don't say anything. (laughs) So what happened was he was quiet for like two days in a row. Like really, he he wouldn't say anything. And then that was such, I mean, that for me was a learning because I realized, okay, you were stopping him from expressing. And then after two days and I said, you know what? I changed my mind. So you can express whatever. And so he expresses when he doesn't like food that I cook and he expresses when he doesn't like things. And and, and that then I realized then we uh, we mm. had like a, a better mm. connection. We had like a better relationship. But it also has to do with me releasing myself mm. to express my dislikes too. So it doesn't mean that if I'm connected to my true self, that I have to like everything because look mm. at the world, how many choices and and different like nuances of things that we have. How can I really truly... You know, like if I'm honest, say I like everything, I eat everything and I I could do anything. I mean, yeah, we have our preferences and, you know, like by releasing myself to have my dislikes too, so I release him from that. Mm. So, um, yeah, so there's such, um, Mm. yeah, beautiful mirrors or opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you were saying that, it just reminded me of my daughter who you could say on average she expresses irritation and anger uh, so much more readily than my son. Uh, she's eight, she's 18 now, my son's 16. And I remember her saying, well, daddy, why can't I express my anger just like, um, just like any other emotion? How come you've got some criticism about anger? And I'm going, that's a very good point. Why wouldn't I allow her at the dinner table or whatever to get angry and express her emotion. Otherwise, I'm giving off the, the judgment. Well, anger is not acceptable here, but that feeling of sadness is, and those other feeling of happiness are. And for me, then it, it was a challenge to open up to, okay, anger, why, is, why isn't anger acceptable? Of course it is. And it's, love can be getting angry. Why not?
1: Yeah. And and anger also has to do, there is a passage in the Course of Mm. Love where Jesus says, like, who, you know, like, if you look at the world, of course, like, and there's also something in you that wants to change, Mm. wants to change the world or wants to change Mm. whatever you feel is not right. And that wanting to change it comes from your real self because your ego self wants things to remain the same mm. that's what he says in the course of love mm-hmm. so really anger maybe uh, it's moved actually underneath anger there is love because there is a sense of something is not right mm. and yeah so if we look at everything like if you go underneath all the things so there is love
0: yeah yeah absolutely I, and i think what we're getting into there, as, as we're come to a close, is maybe that circle that we're getting back to, and just reminding me again, is that you know our feelings are a communication that is coming from love, and I think you know Course of Miracle or Course of Love gave that to me, rather than you know thinking that our feelings that are negative have got to do with a, an ego, personal self, and it's kind of totally uh, then they they might be, but when we find our true self, for me, then I got this place of trusting and relying that my feelings are a communication from love to the world or to, to everything. And so I need to pay more attention to them if love's communicating through my feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to say anything to, because we're kind of getting towards the end here. We got excited in the middle and (laughs) I've enjoyed, (laughs) I've enjoyed having this, this flow. well, for anyone listening to this podcast or looking at our video, is there anything you would like to say, Juliana? But
1: um, I don't know if I want to say anything. Yeah, no. well, or you maybe said maybe a lot. Thank- yeah. <laughs> just thank i mean if you if you were listening to us like to the very end so if you got to this point so <laughs> i just wanted to thank you yeah and um yeah and thank you James for the invitation it was a beautiful conversation yeah mm. from from heart to heart yeah,
0: yeah. i love it yeah so uh, the course of love talks about dialogue and you know i'd say it's probably just one of these dialogues where you discover something new cuz i have discovered new realizations and insights during this conversation, which I think that's for me is a fantastic, yeah, fantastic thing to do and and the connections and enjoying, um, having, having this dialogue. Thank you so much, Juliana, for joining me on your true self and thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Okay. So I'll stop recording here.